Section six of the American Rivals of Sherlock Holmes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The American Rivals of Sherlock Holmes. Mystery of the Scarlet Thread by Jacques Vitrell. Part one. One. The Thinking Machine. Professor Augustus S. F. X. Van Dusen, Doctor of Philosophy, Doctor of Law, Fellow of the Royal Society, Doctor of Medicine, etc., Scientist and Logician listened intently and without comment to a weird seemingly inexplicable story hutchinson hatch reporter was telling it the bowed figure of the seventh lay at ease in a large chair the enormous head with its bushy yellow hair was thrown back the thin white fingers were pressed tip to tip and the blue eyes narrowed to mere slits squinted aggressively upward the scientist was in a receptive mood from the beginning every fact you know he had requested it's all out in the back bay the reporter explained there is a big apartment house there a fashionable establishment in a side street just off commonwealth avenue it is five stories in all and is cut up into small suites of two and three rooms with a bath these suites are handsomely even luxuriously furnished and are occupied by people who can afford to pay big rents generally these are young unmarried men although in several cases they are husband and wife it is a house of every modern improvement elevator service hall boys library doormen spacious corridors and all that there's both the gas and electric systems of lighting tenants are at liberty to use either or both a young broker weldon henley occupies one of the handsomest of the suites being on the second floor in front he has met with considerable success in the street he is a bachelor and lives there alone there is no personal servant he dabbles in photography as a hobby and is said to be remarkably expert recently there was a report that he was to be married this winter to a beautiful virginia girl who has been visiting boston from time to time a miss lipscomb charlotte lipscomb of richmond henley has never denied or affirmed this rumour although he has been asked about it often miss lipscomb is impossible of access even when she visits boston now she is in virginia i understand but will return to boston later in the season the reporter paused lighted a cigarette leaned forward in his chair gazing steadily into the inscrutable eyes of the scientist when henley took the suite he requested that all the electric lighting apparatus be removed from his apartments he went on he had taken a long lease of the place and this was done therefore he uses only gas for lighting purposes and he usually keeps one of his gas jets burning low all night bad bad for his health commented the scientist now comes the mystery of the affair the reporter went on it was five weeks or so ago henley retired as usual about midnight he locked his door on the inside he is positive of that and awoke about four o'clock in the morning nearly asphyxiated by gas he was barely able to get up and open the window to let in the fresh air the gas jet he had left burning was out and the suite was full of gas accident possibly said the thinking machine a draught through the apartments a slight diminution of gas pressure a hundred possibilities so it was presumed said the reporter of course it would have been impossible for nothing is impossible said the other tartly don't say that it annoys me exceedingly well then it seems highly improbable that the door had been opened or that anyone came into the room and did this deliberately the newspaper man went on with a slight smile so henley said nothing about this attributed it to accident the next night he lighted his gas as usual but he left it burning a little brighter the same thing happened again Ah and the thinking machine changed his position a little the second time and again he awoke just in time to save himself said hatch 
still he attributed the affair to accident and determined to avoid a recurrence of the affair by doing away with the gas at night then he got a small night lamp and used this for a week or more why does he have a light at all asked the scientist testily i can hardly answer that replied hatch i may say however that he is of a very nervous temperament and gets up frequently during the night he reads occasionally when he can't sleep in addition to that he has slept with light going all his life it's a habit go on one night he looked for the night lamp but it had disappeared at least he couldn't find it so he lighted the gas again the fact of the gas having twice before gone out had been dismissed as a serious possibility next morning at five o'clock a bell-boy passing through the hall smelled gas and made a quick investigation he decided it came from henley's place and rapped on the door there was no answer it ultimately developed that it was necessary to smash in the door there on the bed they found henley unconscious with the gas pouring into the room from the jet which he had left lighted he was revived in the air but for several hours was deathly sick why was the door smashed in asked the thinking machine why not unlocked it was done because henley had firmly barred it hedge explained he had become suspicious i suppose and after the second time he always barred his door and fastened every window before he went to sleep there may have been a fear that someone used the key to enter well asked the scientist after that three weeks or so elapsed bringing the affair down to this morning hedge went on then the same thing happened a little differently for instance after the third time the gas went out henley decided to find out for himself what caused it and so expressed himself to a few friends who knew of the mystery then night after night he lighted the gas as usual and kept watch it was never disturbed during all that time burning steadily all night what sleep he got was in daytime last night henley lay awake for a time then exhausted and tired fell asleep this morning early he woke the room was filled with gas again in some way my city editor heard of it and asked me to look into the mystery that was all the two men were silent for a long time and finally the thinking machine turned to the reporter does anyone else in the house keep gas going all night he asked i don't know was the reply most of them i know use electricity nobody else has been overcome as he has been no plumbers have minutely examined the lighting system all over the house and found nothing wrong does the gas in the house all come through the same meter yes so the manager told me i suppose it possible that someone shut it off there on these nights long enough to extinguish the lights all over the house then turn it on again it is presuming that it was done purposely do you think it was an attempt to kill henley it might be was the reply find out for me just who in the house uses gas also if anyone else leaves a light burning all night also what opportunity anyone would have to get at the meter and then something about henley's love affair with miss lipscomb is there anyone else if so who where does he live when you find out these things come back here that afternoon at one o'clock hatch returned to the apartments of the thinking machine with excitement plainly apparent on his face well asked the scientist a french girl louise renier employed as a maid by mrs standing in the house was found dead in her room on the third floor to-day at noon hatch explained quickly it looks like suicide how asked the thinking machine the people who employed her husband and wife have been away for a couple of days hatch rushed on she was in the suite alone this noon she had not appeared there was an odor of gas and the door was broken in then she was found dead with the gas turned on with the gas turned on she was asphyxiated dear me dear me exclaimed the scientist he arose and took up his hat let's go and see what this is all about two when professor van dusen and hatch arrived at the apartment house they had been preceded by the medical examiner and the police detective mallory whom both knew was moving about in the apartment where the girl had been found dead 
the body had been removed and a telegram sent to employers in new york too late said mallory as they entered what was it mr mallory asked the scientist suicide was the reply no question of it it happened in this room and he led the way into the third room of the suite the maid miss renier occupied this and was here alone last night mr and mrs standing her employers have gone to new york for a few days she was left alone and killed herself without further questioning the thinking machine went over to the bed from which the girl's body had been taken and stooping beside it picked up a book it was a novel by the duchess he examined this critically then standing on the chair he examined the gas jet this done he stepped down and went to the window of the little room finally the thinking machine turned to the detective just how much was the gas turned on he asked turned on full was the reply were both the doors of the room locked both yes any cotton or cloth or anything of the sort stuffed in the cracks of the window no it's a tight-fitting window anyway are you trying to make a mystery out of this cracks and doors stuffed the thinking machine went on no there was a smile about the detective's lips the thinking machine on his knees examined the bottom of one of the doors that which led into the hall the lock of this door had been broken when employees burst into the room having satisfied himself here and at the bottom of the other door which connected with the bedroom adjoining the thinking machine again climbed on a chair and examined the doors at the top both transoms closed i suppose he asked yes was the reply you can't make anything but suicide out of it explained the detective the medical examiner has given that as his opinion and everything i find indicates it all right broke in the thinking machine abruptly don't let us keep you after a while detective mallory went away hatch and the scientist went down to the office floor where they saw the manager he seemed to be greatly distressed but was willing to do anything he could in the matter is your night engineer perfectly trustworthy asked the thinking machine perfectly was the reply one of the best and most reliable men i have ever met alert and wide awake can i see him a moment the nightman i mean certainly was the reply he's downstairs he sleeps there he's probably up by this time he sleeps usually till one o'clock in the daytime being up all night do you supply gas for your tenants both gas and electricity are included in the rent of the suites tenants may use one or both and the gas all comes through one meter yes one meter it's just off the engine room i suppose there's no way of telling just who in the house uses gas no some do and some don't i don't know this was what hatch had told the scientist now together they went to the basement and there met the night engineer charles burlingame a tall powerful clean-cut man of alert manner and positive speech he gazed with a little amusement at the slender almost childish figure of the thinking machine and the grotesquely large head you are in the engine room or near it all night every night began the thinking machine i have missed a night in four years was the reply anybody ever come here to see you at night never it's against the rules the manager or a hall boy never in the last two months the thinking machine persisted not in the last two years was the positive reply i go on duty every night at seven o'clock and i'm on duty until seven in the morning i don't believe i've seen anybody in the basement here with me between those hours for a year at least the thinking machine was squinting steadily into the eyes of the engineer and for a time both were silent hatch moved about the scrupulously clean engine room and nodded to the day engineer who sat leaning back against the wall directly in front of him was the steam gauge have you a fireman was the thinking machine's next question no i fire myself said the nightman here's the coal and he indicated the bin within half a dozen feet of the mouth of the boiler i don't suppose you ever had occasion to handle the gas meter insisted the thinking machine never touched it in my life said the other i don't know anything about meters anyway and you never drop off to sleep at night for a few minutes when you get lonely those i mean the engineer grinned good-naturedly 
never had any desire to and besides i wouldn't have the chance he explained there's a time check here and he indicated it i've to punch that every half hour all night to prove that i've been awake dear me dear me exclaimed the thinking machine irritably he went over and examined the time check a revolving paper disc with hours marked on it made to move by the action of a clock the face of which showed in the middle besides there's the steam gauge to watch went on the engineer no engineer would dare go to sleep there might be an explosion do you know mr weldon henley suddenly asked the thinking machine who asked Burlingame. weldon henley no was the slow response never heard of him who is he one of the tenants on the second floor i think lord i don't know any of the tenants what about him when does the inspector come here to read the meter i never saw him i presume in daytime eh bill and he turned to the day engineer always in the daytime usually about noon said bill from his corner any other entrance to the basement except this way and you could see anyone coming here this way i suppose sure i could see him there is no other entrance to the cellar except the coal hole in the sidewalk in front two big electric lights in front of the building aren't there yes they go all night a slightly puzzled expression crept into the eyes of the thinking machine hedge knew from the persistency of the questions that he was not satisfied yet he was not able to fathom or to understand all the queries in some way they had to do with the possibility of someone having access to the meter where do you usually sit at night here was the next question over there where bill's sitting i always sit there the thinking machine crossed the room to bill a typical grimy-handed man of his class may i sit there a moment he asked bill arose lazily and the thinking machine sank down into the chair from this point he could see plainly through the opening into the basement proper there was no door the gas meter of enormous proportions through which all the gas in the house passed an electric light in the door made it bright as daylight the thinking machine noted these things arose nodded his thanks to the two men and still with the puzzled expression on his face led the way upstairs there the manager was still in his office i presume you examine and know that the time check in the engineer's room is properly punched every half hour during the night he asked yes i examine the dial every day i have them here in fact each with a date on it may i see them now the manager was puzzled he produced the cards one for each day and for half an hour the thinking machine studied them minutely at the end of the time when he arose and had looked at him inquiringly he saw still the perplexed expression after urgent solicitation the manager admitted them to the apartments of weldon henley mr henley himself had gone to his office in state street here the thinking machine did several things which aroused the curiosity of the manager one of which was to minutely study the gas jets then the thinking machine opened one of the front windows and glanced out into the street below fifteen feet was the sidewalk above was the solid front of the building broken only by a flagpole which properly roped extended from the hall window of the next floor above out over the sidewalk a distance of twelve feet or so ever used that flagpole he asked the manager rarely said the manager on holidays sometimes fourth of july and such times we have a big flag for it from the apartments the thinking machine led the way to the hall up the stairs and to the flagpole leaning out of this window he looked down toward the window of the apartments he had just left then he inspected the rope of the flagpole drawing it through his slender hands slowly and carefully at last he picked up a slender thread of scarlet and examined it ah he exclaimed then to hatch let's go mr hatch thank you this last to the manager who had been a puzzled witness once on the street side by side with the thinking machine hatch was bursting with questions but he didn't ask them he knew it would be useless at last the thinking machine broke the silence that girl miss renee was murdered he said suddenly positively there have been four attempts to murder henley how asked hatch startled 
by a scheme so simple that neither you nor i nor the police have ever heard of it being employed was the astonishing reply it is perfectly horrible in its simplicity what was it hedge insisted eagerly it would be futile to discuss that now was the rejoinder there has been murder we know how now the question is who what person would have a motive to kill henley three there was a pause as they walked on where are we going asked hedge finally come up to my place and let's consider this matter a bit further replied the thinking machine not another word was spoken by either until half an hour later in the small laboratory for a long time the scientist was thoughtful deeply thoughtful once he took down a volume from a shelf and had glanced at the title it was gases their properties after a while he returned this to the shelf and took down another on which the reporter called the title anatomy now mr hedge said the thinking machine in his perpetually crabbed voice with a most remarkable riddle it gains this remarkable aspect from its very simplicity it is not however necessary to go into that now i will make it clear to you when we know the motives as a general rule the greatest crimes never come to light because the greatest criminals their perpetrators are too clever to be caught here we have what i might call a great crime committed with a subtle simplicity that is wholly disarming and a greater crime even than this was planned this was to murder weldon henley the first thing for you to do is to see mr henley and warn him of his danger asphyxiation will not be attempted again but there is the possibility of poison a pistol shot a knife anything almost as a matter of fact he is in great peril superficially the death of miss renee the maid looks to be suicide instead it is the fruition of a plan which has been tried time and again against henley there is a possibility that miss renier was not an intentional victim of the plot but the fact remains that she was murdered why find the motive for the plot to murder mr henley and you will know why the thinking machine reached over to the shelf took a book looked at it a moment then went on the first question to determine positively is who hated weldon henley sufficiently to desire his death you say he is a successful man in the street therefore there is a possibility that some enemy there is at the bottom of the affair yet it seems hardly probable if by his operations mr henley ever happened to wreck another man's fortune find this man and find out all about him he may be the man there will be innumerable questions arising from this line of inquiry to a man of your resources leave none of them unanswered on the other hand there is henley's love affair had he a rival who might desire his death had he any rival if so find out all about him he may be the man who planned all this here too there will be questions arising which demand answers answer then all of them fully and clearly before you see me again was henley ever a party to a liaison of any kind find it out too a vengeful woman or a discarded sweetheart of a vengeful woman you know will go to any extreme the rumour of his engagement to miss 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 lipscomb had just blood the rumour of his engagement to miss lipscomb might have caused a woman whom he had once been interested in or who was once interested in him to attempt his life the subtler murders that is the ones which are most attractive as problems are nearly always the work of a cunning woman i know nothing about women myself he asked and explained but lombroso has taken that attitude therefore see if there is a woman most of these points hedge had previously seen seen with the unerring eye of a clever newspaper reporter yet there were several which had not occurred to him he nodded his understanding now the centre of the affair of course the thinking machine continued is the apartment house where henley lives the person who attempted his life either lives there or has ready access to the place and frequently spends the night there this is a vital question for you to answer i am leaving all this to you because you know better how to do these things than i do that's all i think when these things are all learned come back to me the thinking machine arose 
as if the interview were at an end and hatch also arose reluctantly an idea was beginning to dawn in his mind does it occur to you that there is any connection whatever between henley and miss renee he asked it is possible was the reply i had thought of that if there is a connection it is not apparent yet then how how was it she she was killed or killed herself whichever may be true and the attempt to kill henley killed her that's all i can say now that all asked hatch after a pause no warn mr henley immediately that he is in grave danger remember the person who has planned this will probably go to any extreme i don't know mr henley of course but from the fact that he always had a light at night i gather that he is a timid sort of man not necessarily a coward but a man lacking in stamina therefore one who might better disappear for a week or so until the mystery is cleared up above all impress upon him the importance of the warning the thinking machine opened his pocket-book and took from it the scarlet thread which he had picked from the rope of the flagpole here i believe is the real clue to the problem he explained to hatch what does it seem to be hatch examined it closely i should say a strand from a turkish bathrobe was his final judgment possibly ask some cloth expert what he makes of it then if it sounds promising look into it find out if by any possibility it can be any part of any garment worn by any person in the apartment house but it's so slight hatch began i know the other interrupted tartly it's slight but i believe it is a part of the wearing apparel of the person man or woman who has four times attempted to kill mr henley and who did kill the girl therefore it is important hatch looked at him quickly well how in what manner did it come where you found it simple enough said the scientist it is a wonder that there were not more pieces of it that's all perplexed by his instructions but confident of results hatch left the thinking machine what possible connection could this tiny bit of scarlet thread found on a flagpole have with one shutting off the gas in henry's rooms how did anyone go into henry's rooms to shut off the gas how was it miss renier was dead what was the manner of her death a cloth expert in a great department store turned his knowledge on the tiny bit of scarlet for the illumination of hatch but he could go no further than to say that it seemed to be part of a turkish bathrobe man or woman's asked hatch the material from which bathrooms are made is the same for both men and women was the reply i can say nothing else of course there's not enough of it to even guess at the pattern of the robe then hatch went to the financial district and was ushered into the office of weldon henley a slender handsome man of thirty-two or three years pallid of face and nervous in manner he still showed the effect of the gas poisoning and there was even a trace of furtive fear fear of something he himself didn't know what in his actions henley talked freely to the newspaper man of certain things but of other things he was resentfully reticent he admitted his engagement to miss lipscomb and finally even admitted that miss lipscomb's hand had been sought by another man Regnaud cabel formerly of virginia could you give me his address asked hatch he lives in the same apartment house with me two floors above was the reply hatch was startled startled more than he would have cared to admit are you on friendly terms with him he asked suddenly said henley i won't say anything further about this matter it would be unwise for obvious reasons i suppose you consider that this turning on of the gas was an attempt on your life i can't suppose anything else hatch studied the pallid face closely as he asked the next question do you know miss renier was found dead to-day dead exclaimed the other and he rose who what who is she it seemed a distinct effort for him to regain control of himself the reporter detailed then the circumstances of the finding of the girl's body and the broker listened without comment from that time forward all the reporter's questions were either parried or else met with a flat refusal to answer finally hatch repeated to him the warning which he had from the thinking machine and feeling that he had accomplished little went away at eight o'clock that night a night of complete darkness 
Henley was found unconscious, lying in a little used walk in the common. There was a bullet hole through his left shoulder, and he was bleeding profusely. He was removed to the hospital, where he regained consciousness for just a moment. Who shot you? he was asked. None of your business, he replied, and lapsed into unconsciousness. 4. Entirely unaware of this latest attempt on the life of the broker, Hutchinson Hatch steadily pursued his investigations. They finally led him to an intimate friend of Renaud Cabell. The young southerner had apartments on the fourth floor of the big house off Commonwealth Avenue directly over those Henley occupied, but two flights higher up. This friend was a figure in the social set of the back bay. He talked to Hatch freely of Cabell. He's a good fellow, he explained, one of the best I ever met, and comes of one of the best families Virginia ever had, a true ever free. He's pretty quick-tempered and all that, but an excellent chap, and everywhere he has gone here he has made friends. He used to be in love with Miss Lipscomb of Virginia, didn't he? asked Hatch casually. He used to be? the other repeated with the laugh. He is in love with her, but recently he understood that she was engaged to Weldon Henley, a broker. You may have heard of him? And that, I suppose, has dampened his ardour considerably. As a matter of fact, Cabell took the thing to heart. He used to know Miss Lipscomb in Virginia. She comes from another famous family there, and he seemed to think he had a prior claim on her. Hatch heard all these things as any man might listen to gossip, but each additional fact was sinking into his mind, and each additional fact led his suspicions on deeper into the channel they had chosen. Cabell is pretty well to do, his informant went on. Not rich, as we can't to send it off, but pretty well to do and I believe he came to Boston because Miss Lipscomb spends much of her time here. She's a beautiful young woman of twenty-two, and extremely popular in the social world everywhere, particularly in Boston. Then there was the additional fact that Hanley was here. No chance at all for Cabell? Hatch suggested. Not the slightest, was the reply. Yet despite the heartbreak he had, he was the first to congratulate Hanley on winning her love. And he meant it too. What's his attitude toward Hanley now? asked Hatch. His voice was calm but was an underlying tense note imperceptible to the other. They meet and speak and move in the same set. There is no love lost on either side, I don't suppose, but there is no trace of any ill-feeling. Cabell doesn't happen to be a vindictive sort of man. Vindictive? And the other laughed. No. He's like a big boy, forgiving and all that. How tempered, though. I could imagine him, in a fit of anger, making a personal matter of it with Henley, but I don't think he ever did. The mind of the newspaper man was rapidly focusing on one point. The rush of thoughts questions and doubts silenced him for a moment then how long has cabell been in boston seven or eight months that is he has had apartments here for that long but he has made several visits south i suppose it's south he has a tick of dropping out of sight occasionally i understand that he intends to go south for good very soon if i am not mistaken he is trying now to rent his suite Hatch looked suddenly at his informant an idea of seeing cabell and having a legitimate excuse for talking to him had occurred to him i'm looking for a suite he volunteered last i wonder if you would give me a card of introduction to him we might get together on it thus it happened that half an hour later about ten minutes past nine o'clock hatch was on his way to the big apartment house in the office he saw the manager heard the news asked the manager no hatch replied what is it somebody shot mr hanley as he was passing through the common early to-night hatch whistled in amazement is he dead no but he's unconscious the hospital doctors say it is a nasty wound but not necessarily dangerous. Who shot him? Do they know? He knows, but he won't say. Amazed and alarmed by this latest development, an accurate fulfillment of the thinking machine's prophecy, Hatch stood thoughtful for a moment, then, recovering his composure a little, asked for Cabell. I don't think there's much chance of seeing him, said the manager. He's going away on a midnight train, going south, 
to virginia going away to-night hedge gasped yes it seems to have been rather a sudden determination he was talking to me here half an hour or so ago and said something about going away while he was here the telephone boy told me that hanley had been shot he had phoned from the hospital to inform us then Cabell seemed greatly agitated he said he was going away to-night if he could catch the midnight train and now he is packing i suppose the shooting of hanley upset him considerably the reporter suggested yes i guess it did was the reply they moved in the same set and belonged to the same clubs the manager sent hedge's card of introduction to Cabell's apartments hedge went up and was ushered into a suite identical with that of hanley's in every respect save in minor details of furnishings Cabell stood in the middle of the floor with his personal belongings scattered about the room his valet evidently a frenchman was busily engaged in packing Cabell's greeting was perfunctorily cordial he seemed agitated his face was flushed and from time to time he ran his fingers through his long brown hair he stared at hatch in a preoccupied fashion then they fell into conversation about the rent of the apartments i'll take almost anything reasonable Cabell said hurriedly you see i'm going away to-night rather more suddenly than i had intended and i'm anxious to get the lease off my hands i pay two hundred dollars a month for these just as they are may i look them over asked hedge he passed from the front room into the next here on a bed was piled a huge lot of clothing and the valet with deft fingers was brushing and folding preparatory to packing Cabell was directly behind him quite comfortable you see he explained there's room enough if you are alone are you oh yes hedge replied this other room here Cabell explained is not in very tidy shape now i have been out of the city for several weeks and what's the matter he demanded suddenly hedge had turned quickly at the words and stared at him then recovered himself with doubt i beg your pardon he stammered i rather thought i saw you in town here a week or so ago of course i didn't know you and i was wondering if i could have been mistaken must have been said the other easily during the time i was away a miss a friend of my sister's occupied the suite i am afraid some of her things are here she hasn't sent for them as yet she occupied this room i think when i came back a few days ago she took another place and all the things haven't been removed i see remarked hedge casually i don't suppose there's any chance of her returning here unexpectedly if i should happen to take her apartments not the slightest she knows i'm back and thinks i'm to remain she was to send for these things hedge gazed about the room ostentatiously across a trunk lay a turkish bathrobe with a scarlet stripe in it he was anxious to get hold of it to examine it closely but he didn't dare to then together he returned to the front room i rather like the place he said after a pause but the price is just a moment Cabell interrupted jean before you finish packing that suitcase be sure to put my bathrobe in it it's in the far room then one question was settled for hedge after a moment the valet returned with the bathrobe which had been in the far room it was Cabell's bathrobe as jean passed the reporter an end of the rope caught on a corner of the trunk and stopping the reporter unfastened it a tiny strand of thread clung to the metal hedge detached it and stood idly twirling it in his fingers as i was saying he resumed i rather like the place but the price is too much suppose you leave it in the hands of the manager of the house i had intended doing that the southerner interrupted well i'll see him about it later hedge added with a cordial albeit preoccupied handshake Cabell ushered him out hedge went down the elevator with a feeling of elation a feeling that he had accomplished something the manager was waiting to get into the lift do you happen to remember the name of the young lady who occupied mr Cabell's suite while he was away he asked miss austin said the manager but she's not young she was about forty-five years old i should judge did mr Cabell have his servant jean with him oh no said the manager 
the valet gave up the suite to miss austin entirely and until mr cabell returned occupied the room in the quarters we have for our own employees was miss austin ailing in any way asked hutch i saw a large number of medicine bottles upstairs i don't know what was the matter with her replied the manager with a little puzzled frown she certainly was not a woman of sound mental balance that is she was eccentric and all that i think rather it was an act of charity for mr cabell to let her have the suite in his absence certainly we didn't want her hatch passed out and burst in eagerly upon the thinking machine in his laboratory here he said and triumphantly he extended the tiny skull strand which he had received from the thinking machine and the other of the identical colour which came from cabell's bathrobe is that the same thinking machine placed them under the microscope examined them immediately later he submitted them to a chemical test it is the same he said finally then the mystery is solved said hatch conclusively End of Mystery of the Skull Thread by Jacques Fidrel, Part 1